Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... They just neglected again the sacraments the social agenda the club mentality they neglect it and what happens to the milk it sits in the corner what happens to milk that sits in the corner long enough it spoils and nobody has a taste for it anymore it's terrible the lord saves us and grows us through the word of god the word of god is reasonable it is rational it is powerful and we grow as we are grown by the Word of God. When a person has a skill, whether it's in sports, business, or the arts, to name a few, they tend to practice that skill to improve it. Most people wouldn't opt to sit around and just hope they improve on their own. That way we'll never produce the results that consistent practice will. The same holds true for learning about Jesus. Pastor Jim reminds us today that praying, studying the Bible, and conversing with other Christians is a great way to find new insights into Jesus and grow in our relationship with Him. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter with part two of his message entitled, A Loving and Growing Community. Well, is there a motivation for this kind of love? Well, let's look at verse 23. Having been born again, that's that spiritual rebirth, that's the work of God that has happened to someone who is a believer. You are different now. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, some of your versions say perishable seed, something that will die, but of incorruptible seed or imperishable. You have been born of a seed that will not die. And notice what he says here. Through the word of God, through the Bible, through the good news of the gospel, which, notice what he says about the Bible, which lives and abides forever. Now, isn't that interesting? A lot of people say, I don't read the Bible, it's too boring. Peter goes, are you kidding me? Boring? It's living. It's exciting. It's permanent. It's eternal. People go, I don't, I don't listen to some guy give a sermon, man. He's just talking at you. Now, I admit some sermons can be boring. I hope mine aren't too boring. I mean, I, that's like to me like the worst sin ever, to be like a boring Bible teacher. Like people walk out like, it was boring. I'm like, I'd rather you want to like shoot me than have it be boring, right? But Peter's like, no, it's not. If you love God, the more you hear about him, the more you want him, the more you desire, we'll talk about that in a minute, you'll realize and the more as God changes you, that is a word that lives and abides forever. It sustains you. It excites you. He says, because, and then he quotes a passage from hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah 40, verses 6 to 8. Isaiah said, All flesh, that means all people, all mankind, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures, some versions say stands, forever. And then Peter adds, now this is the word, the word that stands forever, which by the gospel was preached to you. So the command for Christians to love is rooted in the love of Jesus Christ for Christians, 
rooted in the love of Jesus Christ for the church and the seed in which one is born again, the seed of this new life that God offers to anyone, we'll talk about that in a second, is the word of God. God himself supplied the seed. If you're familiar with the Bible, Jesus told the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, and he said, a sower went out to sow, and he's throwing the seed, and Jesus, I love that parable because Jesus interprets it for us instead of us having to figure out what he was saying, and he said, the seed is the word of God, and he talks about the different soils that it falls upon, ultimately in the good soil that bears fruit. And so here, Peter, quoting Isaiah, again from hundreds of years earlier, who is speaking to a group we've been talking a lot about on Wednesday night, a group of exiles, when people, God's people had given up on God. He said, okay, you don't want me. I'm going to let the enemy come in, and they're going to take you away. And they were exiled off to Babylon. And for them, things seem hopeless. And Isaiah comes along and says, no, it's not hopeless. No, the word of the Lord will live forever. The word of God will will stand. Now, let's go back to the seed. God supplies the seed. How many gardeners we have? You plant tomatoes and you get tomatoes, except you're in college and they do dorm inspections. You have some other plants growing. You go, I planted tomatoes. I don't know how that came up. Okay. But this is not college. Okay. And Parents are like, you're ruining my kid's college experience, Pastor Jim. Thanks. Don't worry, it gets worse. Um, God is using a biological metaphor here. So he's, he's talking about the seed. So God supplies the seed in which you are born. So biologically, the man plants the seed and you get for those of you who have teenagers with you right now, okay? So you have something to talk about on the ride home. You're like, what was he talking about the seed? Ask your mother, okay? So that's what, that's what happens. So what he's telling us here is what, and by the way, parents, better they hear it from you, right? All right. Somebody said no. no come on now. What we plant, he's saying, will die. And people die, right? But here the Lord says, what I plant with the word of God, not only will it come to life, but it will never, ever die. You and I can plant something, and it will die or something will happen to it. But God says, what I plant, what I grow, is never going to die. In John chapter 11, Lazarus had died, Jesus' friend, and Jesus knew he was going to die because he was going to raise him from the dead. And you know, Jesus comes to the scene and he's talking with Martha and, you know, the, the sisters obviously talking to each other and like, Lord, if you were here, our brother wouldn't have died. And so Jesus says to Martha, well, man, hey, don't you believe he's going to rise from the dead? And she gives him the classic church answer. I mean, she's like, oh, yes, I believe he's going to rise in the last day, right? That's sort of the modern day equivalent of, I know they're in a better place right? It's sort of like this, this, this thing, this, like, I'll say this so I don't look like a total dweeb, and so I, I feel a little bit better about myself. And, but Jesus presses her. He says this, John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's like, forget about the better place. I'm the better place. I personally am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me we often point out that that word belief is not just a, a cerebral belief in your brain. It's actually more similar to our word trust. He who believes or trusts in me, though he may die, he shall live. 
and whoever, that would be whoever, lives and believes or lives and trusts in me shall never die. And then he looks right at her and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He's not asking, do you believe that he's in a better place? What is he asking her if she believes? Do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? That's what he's asking her. You say, why in the world would he say that to her? Because Jesus is preaching the gospel to her. Jesus is telling her how to get to heaven. So it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ contained in the word of God that is used to bring the people of God to this new life in Jesus Christ, to bring people to eternal life. And it also brings us into a new relationship with the people of God. And it's the power, it's the motivation to love others. It's only by the power of God that we can really change from our individualistic, self-centered ways to a Christ-centered way. And I admit, that, that change can be pretty slow sometimes. In the Word of God, the Lord is often telling the people of God to love one another. Why? Because the Christian life is to be shared. When I hear people talk about, well, it's my relationship with God and my walk with God and my God, and yeah, and yeah. it's like a little kid, like, mine, right? That's like horrible. <laughs> the Christian life is to be shared. And because the church is eternal, the priority of love between us, the priority of loving must deepen here on earth. But for the word of God to truly unleash its power, number two, there must be a prior, in every church a priority of growing. A priority of growing. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. He says, therefore. Remember Bible students, when you see therefore, you say, what's it therefore? In light of what we've already just heard, since you have been born again, since you have been begotten by God, since what God plants will never die Therefore, laying aside, some versions say, rid yourselves all malice. What's malice? That constant, you want to harm people. All deceit. Not, you know, deceiving people. Hypocrisy. Don't be an actor. You don't come here like, oh, hey, brother, how are you? Oh, washed in the blood of the Lamb, brother. Praise the Lord. Sanctified, set apart, holy people of God. You know, then you go to work. The F? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just baloney. Are we going to have to edit that? I don't know, right? <laughs> but I mean, really. People say, you know, I've had somebody you know, come up to me a long time ago. They're not here anymore. And, and they said, I feel like I'm a hypocrite at work, Pastor Jim. And I said, really? Why? And they said, well, all I do is curse and I lie and I cheat and I steal. I go, oh, don't worry. You're not a hypocrite at work. And they go, oh, thank you so much for the encouragement. I go, no, you're a hypocrite here, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're pretending like you're one of God's people, but you're consciously living, I'm not talking about character flaws that God is working out in all of us, but you're a hypocrite. Now, Christian, you have to understand this. Just walking in this building opens you up to the charges of being a hypocrite. I mean, you know, people are going to, you do one wrong thing for somebody. You know, you tell them, I'll pick you up at seven, and you're at five after, yeah, you're supposed to be a Christian, right? <laughs> so we open ourselves up to that charge, but he's saying, don't be an actor, don't envy, put away envy. You know, it actually says in the Bible, that's really the main reason Jesus was killed. 
because the religious leaders envied Jesus and turned him over to the Romans. And even Pontius Pilate figured it out. And all evil speaking. So what's he saying? In the church, man, get rid of that stuff. That's what the way we used to be. Or you might think of it this way. Daily put aside the poison that destroys love. Put that stuff aside. Verse 2. As newborn babes desire... It's a strong word. Some of your versions say long for. Some versions say crave the pure milk of the word. Now let's just stop there one second. Having been blessed to have watched three kids be born, my own three kids, one of the things that really struck me as just, just kind of this amazing thing. So we went to these birthing classes, you know, where they teach you how to birth a baby, like, I was like, I just watched. Um, so, and they teach you how to breastfeed. I don't know how to do that. Um, but, they, but they teach you that stuff so you know what to expect. The only thing that I thought was really cool was the language of, the, of how the centimeters and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, once they said, oh, we're at eight, I'm like, here we go. Like, I understood that. I got that. But as soon as that baby comes out, the baby knows exactly what to do, right? Knows exactly what to, how to get mom's how to get mom's milk. It's, it's, it's absolutely an amazing process. Now, it's instinctive, but here's the funny thing. It doesn't stop, does it, ladies? Moms, right? It doesn't stop. That kid is like, feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> so why does the baby desire the pure milk of the word? He tells us here, it's an illustration that you may grow thereby. Why does he, he say we need to desire the pure milk of the word so we grow in the salvation that we already have? Now, sometimes people ask me about you guys. You know, people tell me like, oh, you're a pastor of a church. What are the people in your church like? And so I tell them our church is kind of an interesting combination of people. A lot of the people that go here, you may not even know this, a lot of the people here are new Christians. They weren't brought up with anything. And they just came, and they heard about Jesus. They trusted him, and now they're like, man, I'm so different. I'm so different. What happened to me? I've had people come up to me like, you know, when I came here, I was a liar, a cheater, and a thief, and, and uh, you know, I, I was a womanizer, and I was doing drugs, and I was, you know, doing this and doing that, and, and now you know, I don't do any of that stuff anymore, and I, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I'm serving God, and I can't wait for church on Sunday morning. They're like, Pastor Jim, am I Christian? I'm like, you might be, rabbit, you might be. Okay? And so, so there's that group of people, right? There's other people that they come here and they thought they were Christian. That's a large segment of the people here. They're like, I thought I was Christian. I mean, I, every time I filled out and went to the hospital or on something, religious affiliation, Christian I put. And then I came here and I realized I wasn't Christian. I wasn't Christian. That's a lot of the people who go here. There's a portion of people here who are what I call the church drama refugees. They went to a church that just thought that their Bible verse didn't say laying aside. In verse, chapter 2, verse 1, it said, therefore, you know, ramp up the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, and the evil speaking. And so they've come here and they're like, I'm a refugee, man. I just can't, I just can't deal with that anymore. Uh, we are getting increasingly now people who are saying my church used to teach the Bible and no longer teaches the Bible, and I'm looking for a place that's teaching the Bible. That's a big group too. And then there's a group that they're getting smaller, but they're, they're, listen, if you're in them, I still love you, man. They're just here for the free coffee and bagels. I mean, they just, that's, what they're, that's what they're here for. And some of them even come to service after service. Like, they'll show up here, you know, after this service, and they'll be like, hey, you know, there's extra coffee. Um, you know, can I take some home? But interestingly enough, today, the large 
impersonal, non-Bible teaching churches are by far the fastest growing in the United States of America. By far. Now, you say, well, no, I went to one of those and they actually, they were using the Bible. Yeah, the, using the Bible and teaching the Bible are two different things. Do you understand that? Y using the Bible is I have this idea that I want to teach you about, and then I get a few Bible verses that sort of make my point, and then, you know, we, we go on our own merry way. Teaching the Bible is one verse at a time, just going through it and going through it and, and seeing what God wants to bring to his people. So fast-growing group. But even a quick reading of the Bible, it's easy enough to see that God wants love and maturity among his people. Not anonymity and immaturity. And sometimes people say like, you know, I don't want to go to church because this is, you know, this is there's something going on, man. There's people and I don't like the way it was treated or something like that or something like that. But if we are to grow in grace, there's just certain things that the Lord has to prune away from all of us. And God often uses his word and conflict and correction to reveal the things that he wants to correct in us. Now, in, in Bible, Bible students, you might want to note that in other contexts of the Bible, milk is used for immaturity. Now, these are illustrations, so you have to look at the context of the illustration. So when the Bible writer says, listen, man, uh, by this time you should be devouring meat. You should be a carnivore of God's word. And if you've been a Christian a long time, you should be a carnivore of God's word. And if you're not, it's okay. We'll get you there. I promise that to you. We'll, we'll get you there if you're willing to give in to the desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he, the, the Bible writers say, listen, man, you should be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. And, but that's not the case here. But in regards to those other cases, meat versus milk, that's why we strive here at this church to serve meat. To serve meat. The cafe, free bagels, free coffee. This room, meat. We serve meat for men, right? We serve meat. And for women too, ladies. Sorry, I don't want to get in trouble. All, right. All the ladies are like, do we have to leave? Okay. So here, this use of milk has to do with the desire for the Word of God. Like a newborn babe desires the milk of its mama, that's the desire that we are to have for the Word of God. So the early church was basically a house Bible teaching ministry. But what happens when people lose their desire for the Word of God? Well, one group goes over to the sacrament ministry, right? We'll do some other stuff that'll make us, instead of the sacraments being something that points us to Jesus, we'll use the sacraments as a substitute for the Word of God. Other people go to the social gospel. Well, we're kind of bored with the Bible. What we'll do is we'll go out and do good things. We'll hand out granola bars, and, and Jesus will be so happy that we're handing people granola bars. There's nothing wrong with giving people granola bars. If you got one, give me one. I'll take one, right? Okay, but seriously, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Or the social club church. We're just going to have so many events. We're going to have everybody out of the house every night of the week just being social and exhausted, right? Because all we're going to do is we're just going to have fun all the time. No, no, Peter's talking about a sincere, heartfelt desire for the Word of God, which, by the way, in their day, was the Old Testament. That was the Word that they were studying. And so no matter how long you have been a Christian... You need the pure milk of the Word. 
Just like it's necessary for a baby to grow and to mature, it's necessary for all of us to grow and mature. And that will never change, loved ones. But it's changing right before our eyes in the very church of America that we find ourselves in. The milk, that a mama's milk, is not to be watered down, is it? But there are so many people right now that are out there watering down the Word of God. Do you know there's something called the church growth movement, which definitely has the biggest attending churches right now? They seem to be ruling the roost if you want to look, if you want to just forget faithfulness and talk about sheer numbers. Do you know what one of their mantras is? Teach the congregation like everybody's a teenager. Listen, I own a teenager. I got one of them, right? (laughs) And I don't want him to be a teenager the rest of his life. I want him to be mature. And I don't know about you, but I am personally insulted that a pastor would get up and teach me like I'm a teenager, like I'm some you know, newborn. I think the power of the word of God is it's able to teach the teenagers, the brand new Christian, the person who's just interested in the things of God, and the Christian who's 50 years in the Lord, 80 years in the Lord at the same time because that's the power of God's word. We're not to dilute it. God doesn't want sunny delight Christians. Sunny delight is not orange juice. It's sugar and water. It's terrible. We're not to add to it. We're not to add it. There are so many people adding to the word of God today and then writing books, exporting this stuff to the rest of the world, and it's just ridiculous. This whole prosperity movement thing, I'll try to contain myself. I did not in the last service. You can ask them for a copy of it. I was really heated about it in the last service. I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to calm down. Okay, But man, man, to tell people who are sick that they're sick because they don't have enough faith? You want to talk about stomping on somebody's soul. To tell people who are poor, who are out there knocking their head every day to put food on their table for their family that they're poor because they don't have enough faith? That is cruel. That is absolutely cruel. Why in the world do we need to add to the word of God when it's taken us about 15 years to go through the whole thing and then if you guys love me enough, you'll give me a second chance to do it right the second time? Man, about how many people just, they just neglected. They just neglected. Again, the sacraments, the social agenda, the club mentality, they neglected. And what happens to the milk? It sits in the corner. What happens to milk that sits in the corner long enough? It spoils. And nobody has a taste for it anymore. It's terrible. The Lord saves us and grows us through the word of God. The word of God is reasonable. It is rational. It is powerful. And we grow as we are grown by the word of God. Friends, I hope we understand that each week in this church, our Heavenly Father invites us to sit with Him for a meal of the Word of God. Not just because it's good for us, but because He makes His people hungry. And we should be hungry. Growth and godliness is a high priority in the Word of God. And hunger for the Word of God is evidence that you have been truly born again. 
and a lack of hunger. I don't say this to condemn anyone. I say this to you to search your heart and your soul. A lack of hunger shows you that something is really wrong, that something's not right. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 